Answers and Answers begins right now. From school to the media and their friends, our children today are bombarded on every side by false ideas being presented to them by the culture. How can we equip them at a young age to be discerning and prepared to face the challenges that will come upon their faith in Christ? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with our host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. In our broadcast today, Pat interviews Amy Davison of Mama Bear Apologetics where she shares how to equip you to raise the next generation to engage their world for Christ. Let's begin part one of this three-part interview. Here's our host, Pat. You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we provide compelling evidence for faith and hope in Christ and biblical answers to the issues of today. Well, our children are bombarded on every side by false ideas being presented to them by the culture, from school to the media, their friends. How can we help equip them at a young age to be discerning and equipped to face the challenges that will come upon their belief in God, in the Bible, and in Jesus Christ? Parents, especially, can play a huge role in preparing and grounding our children in apologetics from a very young age. In fact, parents, you are the first line of defense for your family. So how do we make this happen? Well, we've got a great ministry here, Mama Bear Apologetics. It was founded to equip parents, uncles, grandparents, teachers to teach children apologetics and how to be discerning between truth and error from a very young age. And one of those speakers, she's going to be coming here to our conference here in Hawaii. One of those speakers on the team of Mama Bear Apologetics is Amy Davison. Amy and her husband, Mike, are Air Force veterans. She earned her master's in apologetics from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary there in Fort Worth, Texas. And since joining the team of Mama Bear, Amy has taken an active role in writing about sexual ethics and God's purpose for sexuality, along with serving as a co-host on the Mama Bear Apologetics podcast. So Amy, welcome to the Evidence and Answers radio show. Thank you so much for having me, Pat. Yeah, so tell us about Mama Bear Apologetics. What is this ministry all about? Yeah, it's a wonderful ministry, and I love that you pointed out that it's for uncles and teachers. While we are called the Mama Bears, we are for everyone. If you are pouring into kids in some way, shape, or form, our ministry is here for you. And it was founded by Hillary Morgan Ferrer when she noticed that there was a need for a ministry that spoke directly to moms by other moms. So the apologetics realm, there are a lot of amazing guys in this ministry, but there are some women who will not study theology apologetics unless they're able to connect with another woman. And so mama bear, that's where we kind of fill that void is it's just woman to woman. We're in the trenches with you. We know what late nights and diaper changes and nursing, how that takes an effect on parenting. And we're there to help articulate apologetic and theological truth in a way that's winsome and accessible to you as a parent, as well as immensely practical for whatever stage that you're in with your kids. Yes. And one of the things that we state is that, you know, parents are the first line of defense when it comes to defending your family from truth and error. And, you know, young children, you know, when they have questions about what they're learning in school or what they're seeing on TV, when they have questions about their faith, they're not going to call 
evidence and answers or stand to reason or reasons to believe. They're going to go to mom and dad. So it's critical that we equip parents and uncles and aunts and grandparents to really be able to train their children to be worldview wise and being able to discern truth from error. That's why I think Mama Bear is such a uh, critical ministry that lots of not only moms, but dads and uncles and aunts have really uh, gotten excited about. Oh, absolutely. And it's so true because that's who kids are going to go first. They're going to go to mom and dad first. And what happens is if we aren't equipped with the answers and we don't have to be omniscient, we just have to be willing to do the research and help our kids. If they come to learn that, oh, mom and dad aren't somebody that I can go to for answers or grandma and grandpa, and they're not going to answer my questions, our kids are going to move on to somebody else. And very often that is their friends around the lunch table or perhaps even an ungodly source. And so that's why we're commanded in scripture to train up our kids. It's not just a, you know, we're reading to them or passing out one or two scriptures. It is an intentional discipleship that lasts their entire lives, that shifts as they grow and as their life changes, when they go to be college students and young parents themselves, we're ever adapting. So that way we're discipling our own children, because that's how we pass down a legacy, not only of our faith, but of good critical thinking. Yes. Now, numerous surveys reveal that there's a high percentage of teens exiting the church today. Tell us about this youth exodus, you know, and what are some of the factors contributing to this massive youth exodus from church? Oh, and there's a lot of contributing factors that are going into it. But one thing that has noticed, especially since the 1960s, is just this shift against truth. So we had this influx of postmodernism that started coming onto the scene that if you were a a mom or a kid of the 90s, you're very familiar with the famous televangelist Oprah Winfrey. And one thing she loved to tell all of her audience was that there are many pathways to God. And this sounds so appealing to teens, especially because what that means is, oh, I don't have to abide by the accountability within Christianity, if that's not quote unquote working for me, then I can maybe dabble in new age religion, or I can go to more Eastern, Middle Eastern yoga practices. And so we had this obliteration of truth that came on the scene. And once you lose that truth foundation, well, then anything goes, it's all just a matter of opinion, which is why it's so common to hear teens say, well, this may be her truth, but I have my truth or he has his truth. And that's okay. Okay. And it's very tempting because for one, it allows kids to customize a religion that completely fits them. But what they don't realize is that they lose God in the process. Instead, they elevate themselves as the God of their own religion. And it creates this sort of buffet style identity crisis. They're picking for whatever works and customizing. And the second something doesn't work out, well, that's okay. I'll just go and find something else. And so it appeals to our kind of inner narcissism to where we want something to work for us. We don't want to have to self-sacrifice for something else. And so that's very attractive to teens. And then also, especially with Gen Z, when millennials came on the scene and became parents, oftentimes millennials didn't have the greatest of experiences at church. So with the 80s and, or excuse me, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, we often saw kind of this fire and brimstone approach to the church, especially within the realm of sexuality and homosexuality. And a lot of the millennial generation were completely put off by this whole reducing the person to their sin and then saying, well, you are the abomination, you are irredeemable. 
flammable. And so many of them were starting to have gay friends and they didn't know how to marry the two together. How can I live as a Christian, but still love my friends? And so many of them ended up walking away from the church altogether. And so what happened was the millennials didn't want to pass down a toxic faith to their kids. So they just stopped pouring into their children. So now we've got Gen Z, who is one of the least religious generations out there, because millennials haven't passed down their faith. What's interesting, though, is Gen Z, while they are some of the most irreligious, I guess you could say, or they lack faith, they are some of the most curious about Jesus. And so there is a, a harvest waiting if we just invest in this generation and they want facts, they want answers. I mean, this is the generation that grew up with social media and they can get any sort of information they want with a few clicks on their cell phones. And so they don't want fluff. They want facts. And so when we can go and actually help these kids think well, reason well, show them the evidence, that is is amazing. It, it really nurtures spiritual growth. And part of that is our responsibility to impart an understanding of what a biblical worldview is or just what a worldview is. I believe it was uh, Stephen Meyer who's in charge of Summit Ministries. He says that the majority of Christians teens that come to their summer camp, two-week summer camp, only about 4% of them have a biblical worldview. So these kids are, are growing up, not even knowing what a worldview is. And so that is one of the, another reason why they're walking away from the faith is maybe they have Bible verse, they know the stories, but they don't know why it matters and they don't know how to wield the armor of God effectively. And so that's where it's so important for us parents to come in is yes, when our kids become believers, they're given the armor of God, but it is our parental responsibility to help nurture and teach our children how to wield it effectively. Because if they can't wield the armor of God effectively, they're going to become a victim to culture. Yes. You know, one of the things that really attracted me to Mama Bear Apologetics was that we know the surveys that 80% of high school teenagers who profess Christ in high school abandon their faith after four years of college. Mm -hmm. well, one of the things uh, your ministry emphasizes is that, well, that abandonment of faith is actually happening a lot sooner, even before high school. I think in my last interview with Hillary, she said, by the time they're in junior high, after having learned, being exposed to intro biology and chemistry and all that at the seventh, eighth grade level, by junior high, they've kind of checked out a church already. They're just going there because mom and dad, you know, makes them go every Sunday. So this whole idea of questioning their faith and doubting their faith happens uh, even before high school, in junior high, even at the elementary level. Yes, yes. I believe it's at 13, 13 to 14 is about the time when a teenager has made a decision of faith. Mm. And, you know, you mentioned that introduction of biology and, and it makes sense because it's okay. Well, there are facts within biology that we can study under a test tube that we can, we can repeat and see consistencies, but then they'll make a philosophical claim and then say, well, that's, that's the only way to know truth at all is through this study of naturalism. And because they've proven through biological studies that yes, we can study the material. Well, most kids won't put two and two together that, wait a second, that statement of yes, we can study the material, but now they're saying, therefore, this philosophical statement that this is the only way to know truth. They think, oh, well, that must be true. But wait a second. Now we've just delved into the realm of philosophy and yeah. apologetics. And can you verify that in a test tube? Absolutely not. But most kids won't pick that up. They won't differentiate the two statements. They'll just say, oh, because I can run tests in class and labs in class. Well, then that must mean the philosophical statement that science is the only way to know anything. It must be true. And they don't recognize the difference. Yes. You know, they're bombarded, you know, with 
you stated there scientism science is the measure mm -hmm. of truth or experience is the measure of truth and science shows miracles can't happen and so they start questioning this whole idea of creation and the genesis account and the miracles of jesus and moses and they really uh begin to start questioning the validity of the bible and those kind of ideologies can have a very corrosive effect on their faith if they buy into it a hundred percent yeah if they don't have their questions answered that's where that corruption that corrosion can occur so one of the great statements that's often said in in apologetic circles is that doubts are not a problem for god but unanswered doubts can be a problem for one's faith and so doubt is an, an area it is that valley that we can walk through that leads to some of the most intense and in-depth spiritual growth that we can have but if that's unanswered if our questions go unanswered or someone says, oh, don't ask that, you know, just have faith, right. just believe that often leads a person on a path to either walking away from the faith deconstruction, because they're not getting their intellectual needs met. Instead, they're just having this emotional appeal made to them. And if you've got someone who's more on the intellectual analytical realm, that's their their love language, the way they like to think. They, that's not going to resonate with them. That's not going to move them. And even for us as Christians, you know, we need to know our savior deeply and well, and it's a blessing to be able to do that. And we want to encourage that with our kids. Yes. Uh, one of the things, your first book, you've got two books out now, but one of the things your first book states is that biblical thinking is more than just memorizing Bible verses. And Bible memory, of course, is extremely important, but biblical thinking is more than that. So tell us, what does it mean for our children and us to think biblically? Yeah, it's that art of discernment. It's being able to recognize that what we're seeing in culture and what we read in scripture is not only a meta narrative, but it's also this art of discernment. There's this spiritual battle that goes on, not only within the physical realm, but in the spiritual and mental as well. And so when we want our kids we want them to know more and know their Lord more deeply. And how we do that is by teaching them to think well. And that's where we come into Ephesians 6, where you see Paul's admonishment, fathers, bring up your children in training and instruction. I love that it's this two-part because that harkens back to that armor of God that we are to put on. We are not only supposed to know the word of God, we are to know how to wield it and how to navigate this culture effectively, which is two different, two different realms. We need the head knowledge. You need to have those scriptures locked away. Again, that's what the Holy Spirit brings to mind when you're in stressful situations. But we also need to be aware of what's going on in the world, potential challenges, arguments against Christianity. So that way, when those are leveled at us, then we're able to interact and provide a good witness to give that hope for the reason that is within us, that First Peter 3.15. And that's what we were commanded as parents to do all along. I mean, when you look at Deuteronomy 4.10, that command parents, teach your children my precepts, that word teach is mod. It's training with the implication that it will be put into use. And so for us as parents, we need to look at this world and say, okay, what is my kid facing currently? What are the potential battlefields that are down the road that are coming? And how can I equip them to wrestle with their own doubts and the challenges of those around them? So that way they can have that effective witness. And it, it happens very quickly. I mean, my son was in third grade and he was challenged on his belief in God based on the existence of the universe. And because we had talked about the Kalam cosmological argument, he was able at nine to be able to quote that for this kid and be like, well, see, if the universe was created, somebody had to create it. And who do you think could have done that? Only God. And that was that just happened in third grade. It was crazy. 
but yeah, it just shows wow. how yeah it just shows how important apologetics is and how how kids you know we we always say kids are like sponges and they really are and you don't have to have these deep profound conversations but it's just these mini conversations of planting these seeds and allowing the holy spirit to work and nurture them that is just a blessing to watch and a blessing to be able to do yes you know i look at a lot of children's programs even youth programs and most of the time you know we're teaching them their favorite Bible stories, you know, which mm-hmm. is fine, which is good. They need, you know, Jonah and the whale, Jesus feeding the 5,000 or parting of the Red Sea. And, and pretty much that's about it. And that's great for them to learn. But like you said, when your son or they get challenged, like, what do you mean parting of the Red Sea? That that doesn't happen. You know, miracles can't happen. How do you know that actually? How do you know this guy, Jesus, even rose from the dead kind of thing? They need to know, you know, at a very young age, why they believe because at a young age they're already being challenged in what we are now a post-christian or as greg coco said the other day an anti-christian culture that Hmm. there's a lot of antagonism towards the christian faith now yeah absolutely and especially with the influx of social media our kids are being trained to curtail how they present themselves online to achieve the most likes and followers and so what studies have found is that teens are more likely to post an illicit picture of themselves online rather than share their faith because they know that the illicit picture is going to get them likes and follows but if they post their faith that's going to get them unfriended and so they've been cultivated by social media to even tailor their own witness and to make them fearful of not having this grandiose public opinion and one thing you you just mentioned which is such a good point is part of that contributing factor to the youth exodus as well is unmet intellectual challenges Mm -hmm. because they our kids want to know how do i practically apply my faith to the day-to-day how do i deal with my friends in the day-to-day How do I reconcile these challenges to the faith? And if our youth programs are only covering the stories or only giving scripture memorizations or only having a very emotion-filled worship experience, then they're actually getting a rather superficial faith that's not going to be able to withstand the challenges of the enemy. It's that that seed that sprouts up in the rocky soil. Yes, it comes up quickly, but the second trials come, it ends up withering away because it doesn't have those deep roots. Yeah. So, Amy, how do we help develop the skill of discernment? How do we develop that and how do we teach that skill to our children? Yeah, absolutely. So mama bear, we're we're bears, right? So we roar. So we've got a handy acronym that we use and, you know, kids will pick this up really quickly and you can start implementing this when you're watching TV with your kids, if there's a movie on, music on the radio. And what it is, is that it starts out with the R. The R for roar is recognize the message. So whenever something is coming across your TV screen uh, that you saw in the movies and as you're driving home from the theater, What you want to do is then discuss, okay, what was the message that was said? What were the things that were elevated as good? What were the things that were mocked or belittled as bad or degrading? What things were celebrated and praised? What were shameful and hidden away? So, And you want to do it as charitably and as unbiasedly as possible. So don't allow emotions to take control. Instead, just do a very fact by fact, okay, this is what was said. Why do you think they said it? So then that's recognize the message. 
message. Then we have O, which is offer objective discernment. Because again, truth exists, truth and falsehood. And very often the messages that we're seeing coming across our TV screen, they're a mixture of the two. You're never going to have, you're very rarely going to encounter something that is 100% accurate or 100% false. It's always that entanglement. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we want our kids to be able to recognize, okay, yes, there's good here, but there's also some false beliefs as well. So how you offer objective discernment is by first pointing out everything that is good, that is true, or that is understandable, justifiable. And what I mean by that justifiable is even if the individual or the character or the statement is false, perhaps there's something that was said and experienced that happened that led them to that conclusion. So that's where we can empathize and say, we understand why this person is making this decision or why they think this way because of this past. And you can affirm that we should rightly empathize. But empathy is one of the easiest characteristics that can be manipulated by the enemy. So while we want to rightly empathize when something we understand where this person's coming from, we don't want to let that understanding now trump logic and truth and say, okay, well, now we're not going to say anything against them because they had a rough past. No, no, no. We can still point out falsehood. We just do it gently. So that first part of the objective discernment is you point out everything that is true, moral, and or justifiable. And then you round it out with saying, okay, but now let's look at where, where things went wrong. Where did the thought process get mixed up? What, what lies have crept in? What false definitions have crept their way in and pointing out that, that good, that bad, then you, a argue for a healthier approach, which is where you point back towards scripture, back toward truth, back to that guiding ruler and say, okay, how do we know this is true? What do we have physically, spiritually, philosophically, you know, pointing out from all realms because truth comes not just from one specific realm, it comes from all. And so you can point out there and saying, okay, what is the healthiest approach? How does that align with scripture? How does that affirm who we are as image bearers of God? How does that affirm the nature of who God is? And then that final R is reinforce with future prayer and conversation, because as all parents know, you're going to have a ton of conversations. So you want to take advantage of those small moments. So you've got recognize the message, offer objective discernment, argue for a healthier approach, and then reinforce with future conversations. And what's beautiful about that is when you start pouring into your kids, they start now pouring into their friends. And as your kids get older, their friends are smart. They recognize, wait a second, how did my buddy here know all this stuff? Well, they must have gotten it from somewhere. Maybe that somewhere was their parents. And so I've had instances where I've been driving around my son's friends and they go, well, hey, Miss Amy, you're religious. What do you think about this? And they now ask me questions that maybe they wouldn't have asked somebody else. And we're able to have great discipleship opportunities, even within my, my kid's friend group, just because of discipling. Our, my son. So when we pour into our kids, it do, it never just stays with them. It seeps out. It's that, you know, I believe it's Hebrews 11, one God's word never goes out and comes back empty handed. It never stays in your kids. It always ends up spreading out and it has lasting effects. Yeah. And to be able to teach those skills with your kids at a very young age, it's a skill that they'll carry with them for the rest of their life. So you, if you can instill it, in them at a very young age. It's like, you know, coaching uh, an athletic sport here. You know, if you can teach your child at a young age the proper way to swing a golf club or a baseball bat, I mean, if they get the technique right at a very young age, they 
it pays big dividends as they go through their sports career. Same thing here, you know, in their intellectual and spiritual life. You can teach them those skills of discernment at a very young age, like you said. Man, it'll pay big dividends uh, as they move on and begin to study more complex uh, issues such as, you know, the science and philosophy, and they get into philosophy of history uh, as they get into their upper grades and into the collegiate scene. Yeah, absolutely. And even, you know, even if you are a parent who you're just coming into the knowledge of apologetics and you've got high schoolers or college age kids, their hope is not lost. So I had one parent, uh, he came up and he was like, gosh, I feel like I dropped the ball because my hair, my son's going off to college. I didn't know any of this stuff. And he was, he was feeling like that he had missed his opportunity. And it was, no, no, no. Here's what's amazing. If your child is still breathing and you're still breathing, the Holy Spirit is still working. (laughs) We just have to start Uh talking. Once again, we've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers. Our goal is to bring you the love of Christ and to equip you in your faith to always be ready to give a response. If you would like to hold an apologetics conference or series of teachings at your facility, contact Pat by calling him in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may email him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Be sure to browse through our listing of topics on our site. We have everything from atheism, to Zen Buddhism. You will also find articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. An additional location to find Pat's messages is on YouTube. Look up Evidence and Answers and hit the subscribe button. To keep quality broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous financial support from you, our listeners. Donating is simple. Just log on at evidenceandanswers.org. Evidence and Answers is grateful for one of our sponsors, the Honolulu Christian Church. If you don't have a home church and are looking for a place to grow in your faith, check out the Honolulu Christian Church. For service times, log in at honoluluchristian.org. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerman. Wake up.